Station 1000 KSOO. Four forty-five on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. And what you're hearing there is a little bit of Fat Man from Myron Lee and the Caddies. <laughs> I haven't heard that one for a while. What year is this song from? Oh golly, I'm going to say 1965. It's a uh, it's kind of an interesting song because it, it is a story about this guy. You know, I, I can still remember when I wrote that. We were we were driving home one night from doing a job at Storm Lake, Iowa, big ballroom down there. And uh, I'm driving, it's in the middle of the night, and uh, it just came to me. You're kidding. And I, I wrote about uh, maybe half of it in my head on the way home driving, and I'll never forget, we got home about 4 in the morning. And before I f- would forget it, wake up the next morning and forget it, I yeah. wrote that all down and finished it that night. Is that you singing on it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It's really an, an interesting song. You had a lot of different styles, really, over the years, not... Not huge variations, but from those from those early days of, of the rockabilly kind of stuff to as you got a little older, um, did you as a as a songwriter did you feel like you were progressing and, and changing as the times changed? Well, I never spent really a lot of uh, a lot of my time writing songs. I wish I would have. Right. I mean, now that I'm older, I mean, uh, that's where it's at. It's mm-hmm. the songwriters. But uh, whenever I would write something, it was I would write a song or two, and then I would. But, you know, I wouldn't do it again for a while. But a lot of the records that we had, we had 14 singles, came from other writers. Like mm-hmm. uh, Tommy Rowe wrote a song for me on ABC Paramount. Oh, really? That we did. What uh, was that song? Everybody's Going to the Party. Cool. And we done that down in uh, Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Oh, in really? That famous studio down there. I've uh, heard that song. It's a, it's a good song. I don't, know, I don't know if we've got that one queued up or not, but it's a great song. Uh, Dorsey Burnett, you remember him? No. He had one called Hey Little One and uh, A Tall Oak Tree. We worked with him up to Canada. And what would happen, these guys would see the band, and they would say, God, I can't believe you haven't had a big hit record yet because we would go over so well mm-hmm. with the live crowds. And he said, would you come out to California? And uh, he says, I'll produce a record for you. But they always wanted to use studio bands in those days. Yeah. And so uh, I said, absolutely. Well, then Dorsey wrote a song for me called Town Girl. And, yep. and place it on a record out there. That's Ricky Nelson's band on there, by the way. You're kidding me. Yep. Well, I think we're going to hear that one in here in a little bit. Okay. Also, <clears throat> excuse me, also a great song. Uh, so you get, at this point, you're all hooked up with all these people. Um, what did you think was uh, going to happen at, at, in your career? I mean, you were just, you guys were just touring and touring and touring and touring. You never came off the road hardly. I, I was, uh, those first few years, by the way, I got to give credit to my wife because she held our young family together because up in Canada one time was going for three and a half months. Oh, man. And uh, just an average tour like with Bobby V, when we would go out, it, it might be four weeks, might be six weeks at a time. Kind of like being in the military. Yeah. You'd go on, to, you'd go on a tour of duty and you get home when you got home, right? Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's the way we made a living, and my wife understood that, and... Uh, that's just the way it was. But these people that we would work uh, with would always say, uh, you're going to have a hit record, Myron. It's just a matter of time. And once you get one, mm-hmm. he said, and then they'll follow. The mm-hmm. second one's always easier. 
And so you asked me what I thought, and that's what I thought all during those years. I thought, I'm going to have hit records just like all these other guys. And so you, uh, uh, did you, you had Peter Rabbit, but it wasn't, you didn't make the hit out of it, really. It was this, this other band. Mm-hmm. Did you, at a certain point, just realize, well, that's not going to happen for me? Yeah, I did after a while. Uh, because in about 1965, when I, when I recorded uh, Everybody's Going to the Party with Tommy Rowe, that was on ABC Paramount. And I had so many close calls with those songs. I mean, they were like pick hit of the week, like in Cashbox magazine. Yep. And but they, it was so tough because uh, there would be like eight hundred records coming out every week in those days, yeah. and it's kind of like uh, a needle in a haystack getting a hit record. And I just apparently wasn't meant for me, because we had a lot of regional airplay, like in Minneapolis, Fargo, yep. Omaha, but never that big one. Yeah. And you continued to play, though, and going into the 70s and 80s, um, you really were uh, a big band around here. You did everything. Why, why, did you keep, why did you just keep playing? I mean, you'd play weddings and street dances and for a long, long time. Um, you just loved playing that much that you couldn't stop? Well, I loved playing, and uh, that's how I was making a living. Yeah. And, and I was used to doing that, and once you're used to doing that, I mean, uh, what else would I do? Like, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's. I right. mean, I, I I like that. You're a musician, and yeah, and but a lot of them never quit. But I finally did get to. By the way, in 1980s, that's mm-hmm. some of our best years. Yeah, we had all the conventions that came to town. Oh, I know the Christmas parties, uh, and when the Centennials came about, you know, the the, the uh, trains yep. came through here in the 1880s and yep. 1890s. We got all the street dances. I yeah. mean, we had it all. And you guys were you were you were a big draw. I mean, if you had an event and you were get, you got Myron Lee and the Caddies, that was a big deal back in the days. I was a busboy and a dishwasher at the Elks, and you guys would play there about once a month or so, and it was a big oh, yeah. night. Yeah, great times at the Elks. And uh, we, I, I, if we would play a street dance, I can remember some uh, like down in Hurley, South Dakota. You come into a little town like that, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Pretty soon, about 8 o'clock at night, you see nothing but car lights coming from all directions. And you would end up like three, four, five thousand 5,000 people. Yeah. And so you guys did pretty well. And it was kind of a weird musical time. Um, but you never really strayed too much from your, your core. Just rock and roll music, right? Uh, we, we strayed a little bit like, uh, like when Urban Cowboy came out, the movie. Yeah. Uh, you had to stray a little bit there because country got so hot. And I love country anyway. Yeah. I mean, I loved all the, the crossover country artists just as much as rock and roll. And so we always did a certain percentage of country. Yeah. And you, uh, you played with Conway Twitty. And I got to mention this. You have a, if you go to YouTube and you, you search for Myron Lee, you'll see a, and it's on our, I put it up on our Twitter feed, Peel Alley Show. You'll see a series of short videos that you did that are a collection of all your like home movies with, and you're narrating on them and there's music. I just if you got the whole thing isn't maybe an hour total a little over yeah each uh, there's six parts and each one is about five six minutes and they're just they're amazing because of all the video that you have of people passing through town or you're playing with or when you're out on tour conway it made me think of conway twitty is in there at the westwick motel out on west 12th street buddy Knox out in front of the uh the club downtown. No, my Terrace Park. Yeah, it's just... Well, Tommy Roy, he's in front of the club downtown there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. amazing to see it, and it's you talking over it. 
uh, you got to go hear those stories. But uh, quickly, you have a Roy Orbison story. Can you tell us that in, in a short period of time? Sure. Uh, I like to call the story a hot night in Montgomery, Alabama. Yeah. Uh, we were on the road with Bobby V. We were booked into Montgomery. As we pulled into a parking lot, it was about 130 degrees in the summertime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a big, huge billboard on this arena. And on the billboard, it said, uh, uh, it said, uh, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. It said, uh, Bobby V with Myrlene Caddies. And then the headliner was Roy Orbison. Wow. There was nobody in the parking lot. Bobby V says, look at that motorhome way over there underneath one tree. I think there was one tree there. <laughs> yeah. He says, that's Roy Orbison's motorhome because he had worked with him a lot. Uh-huh. So he says, let's go over there. Bobby knocks on the motorhome door. This is 1965. Yeah. He had a generator already there. And Roy opens the door. Hey, Bobby. Hey, hey, I heard you're on the show. Come on in and cool on a little bit. And he had a cold beer for everybody. Oh. And uh, to make a long story short, that night, oh, by the way, Jerry Lee Lewis was on there, too. <laughs> oh, man. I stood back at the side and watched all those guys that night. We did our show, and then Roy came out. Bobby V said, Myron, he says, let's walk around the back. I want you to watch this guy. I watched him do hit after hit after hit. Mm -hmm. Nobody sat down, and they gave him about five encores. I had never seen anything like that. That's amazing. We we may have just a second left with Myron Lee here in a moment. Uh, Come back. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Pop in the earbuds with our free radio.